Welcome to our class this day. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we continue to flood the earth with God's truth. We welcome you to our last installment of the Isaiah series as we've looked at the mighty prophet Isaiah and all the mighty prophecies that he testified and prophesied of the future coming of Jesus Christ. Not only his first coming being being born as a babe in Bethlehem, but as his second coming as well, coming forth from the clouds of heaven with vengeance to trample upon the wicked and restore righteousness upon the earth. And of that same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He rose from the dead as the prophecies were foretold about him. He he rose from the dead as the New Testament witnesses declared. And of him we bear witness as well that he lives today. He is our Lord, our God, our King, our Savior, our Redeemer. Let's look today at what else Isaiah says about Jesus Christ. Let's look at, uh, we'll begin in Isaiah chapter 58. And let's look at uh, 58, 1 through 10. Here God speaks to the prophet Isaiah. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. And show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. That's one of the roles of the prophets of God is to declare to the people their sins. They witness against them as to their sins. And and they speak according to the word of God that God puts into their hearts and to their minds through the spirit of revelation to declare and, and denounce those sins of the people. He says, yet they seek me daily. The ancient Jewish people, they were great hypocrites. They pretended to be religious. They kept studying Torah. You know, they kept studying the five books of Moses every day. You know, they tried to impress each other how well they knew the uh, five books of Moses. They seek me daily and delight to know my ways, right? They even took pleasure in, in knowing about God. But, you know, their hearts were far from him. Their lips, they honored God. Their, their hearts were far from him. As a nation that did righteousness, they pretended to be a righteous nation, but we know they were very wicked. And forsook not the ordinance of their God, but yet they did forsake the ordinances of God. They asked of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Remember in, the, in chapter one, he had to uh, denounce them when they came forward and they kept going and performing all their animal sacrifices and everything. And God had to say, look, all I see on your hands are blood when you lift them up in the temple. He says, uh, you know, but yet, despite all these things, you're still saying, hey, you know, why are we fasting? And, and you, God, are not seeing our, all our great righteousness. You know, we keep fasting multiple times. We put sackcloth and ashes upon ourselves. And God, you know, it seems to be you're not even looking at it. And you take no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact all your labors. Now watch this. God says, but you fast for strife and debate, right? They had great rabbinical debates over all the activities that both that they could and could not do on the Sabbath day, right? Uh, the, the first strife, they'd striped and debated over the uh, Sabbath regulations. And to smite the fist of wickedness, right? They used it to say, oh, we're so righteous. And those who are not keeping the Sabbath day the way that we do, if they take too many steps, you know, and, and uh, on the Sabbath, and they 
you know, uh, you know, or, or to uh, start a fire or anything like that. These people are wicked, is what they would say, right? So the the he says, uh, wherefore have we afflicted our soul? And that, let's see, no verse four again. Remember, and despite with the fifth witness, you shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high, right? To go around with with sad countenances. Oh, I'm suffering from uh, you know. From fasting, Jesus rebuked them very openly in the uh, Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for this attitude that they still had several hundred years later. Is it such a fast that I have chosen in verse 5? A day for a man to afflict his soul? <laughs> You're not supposed to fast to afflict yourself. It is to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. I didn't tell you to put sackcloth and ashes upon yourself when you fast. Wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I've chosen, right? The real fast, the real fast that I'm commanding you, that I want you to participate in, is the following. To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, right? You fast to save up the money that you would have used to spend on yourself for your own food, that then you give to the hungry, right? Good idea, right? The basic uh, love thy neighbor as thyself uh, commandments here, right? He says here, uh, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house and feed the poor. When thou seest it naked, you cover him, you give him clothing. And that thou hide not thyself from thine old flesh. Then, if you do these things when you fast, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily. You want good health? Then you fast, and you do it in the right attitude, with the right heart, and you do it in a way to feed the poor, and you know, feed the hungry. And God has promised you, health shall spring forth speedily. You will become very healthy speedily, quickly. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer. Remember he said multiple times to them, you're wicked. When you call to me in the day of your oppression, I will not hear. Here he promises he will hear them. Right? When, you, uh, when you call, the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am, if thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. In verse 11, and the Lord shall guide thee continually. You want God to be your constant companion? And they guide you in the paths of life, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. 13 and 14. Now watch this. Now we go about Sabbath day observance, right? If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, right? And call the Sabbath a delight the holy of the Lord, honorable, and thou shalt honor him. 
not doing thine own ways. You know, you don't do the normal activities you do every other day of the week. Nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. That, that then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Wow. How can you say any greater things, any greater blessings than by keeping the Sabbath holy, doing different activities on the day of the Sabbath that bring you closer to God than on any other day of the week? And he was ready to just pour out all his greatest blessings upon your head if you were to do that. Let's go to 59, 2 through 3. But your iniquities have separated you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear, just as he promised he would not. For your hands are defiled with blood, just going right back to that theme of chapter 1, when they left their hands in prayer in the temple, he sees blood. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. At the same time, he's condemned the liars. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Now we get uh, a prophecy of the second coming, verse 17 through 21. There's a, the mighty Lord Jesus Christ putting on righteousness as a breastplate, girding himself with a breastplate of righteousness. And a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay. He has promised to do so. He will do it. This is prophecy here. Isaiah saw in vision. The great seer Isaiah saw in vision this event happening. According to their deeds, according, he will repay anger. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. Today, nobody fears God. Nobody fears Jesus Christ. They even teach a false Jesus Christ. They teach that Jesus is, oh, loves, 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 loves this wicked group, loves that wicked group, loves this perverse uh, uh, sect of people. And, and so forth. That's not Jesus Christ. It's not the Jesus Christ of the Bible. That's not the Jesus Christ that is alive today. That's not the Jesus Christ that's coming forward soon from the clouds of heaven with all his angels to trample upon them under themselves the, the wicked. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the West and his glory because it's going to be so bright. From the rising of the sun, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. And unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. 
upon the restoration of the gospel. The gospel was restored in 1830 for the final and the last time. The gospel will not depart, as it says here, from generation to generation until the end of the world, right? Let's look at 60, verse 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Literally fulfilled in 1948, when the United States, Great Britain, got together a coalition of countries, and went in and established the state of Israel. Gentiles indeed did bless the people of Israel. Let's look at verse 10. And the sons of strangers shall build up thy walls. They brought in people from all over the world to serve them and to build up their cities. And their kings shall minister unto thee. They've spent billions of dollars. The United States, uh, Great Britain, other countries have have sent billions upon billions of dollars over to Israel to help rebuild the Jewish state. And their king shall minister unto thee, for in my wrath I smote thee and allowed the Babylonians to come and wipe out your place. Then I let you come back for one final time. You still re you rejected me. You still refused to keep my commandments. Therefore, I brought the great mighty Roman emperor the Roman Empire into Jerusalem to once again destroy the place, destroy the temple for the final time. And, uh, you know, and, and so, yeah, I smote thee in my wrath, he says here, but in my favor have I had mercy on thee. I will still rebuild Jerusalem. Eleven through twelve. Therefore thy gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day nor night. That man may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles and that their kings may be brought. They've just continued to just pour in billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. You want your country to be blessed? According to God's commandments, you need to bless the people of Israel. You need to send money to them. You need to do what he says here in the scripture. These are not political statements. This is not, you know, they, today they try to make it all political. Right? It has nothing to do with political. This is the Bible. This is what God told you to do, right? It doesn't matter what your political beliefs are. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're in favor of this group of people or that group of people or what you believe doesn't matter. You're you know you you can hold whatever beliefs you want. <laughs> doesn't matter, right? You have to do what God says here, right? So you have to do that. And if you do so, you'll be blessed, and your nation will be blessed. If you don't, as He says here, your nation shall perish and be utterly wasted. Sixty-two, uh, no, sixty-one, chapter sixty-one, and here's Luke, uh, the great uh, in uh, Luke four. Jesus stands up in the synagogue. They give him the scroll of Isaiah. He opens up chapter 
61, verse 1 through 2, and he reads it to all the people. He sits down. Well, let's continue the story in a minute here. Let's look at 1 through 2. So Jesus is in the synagogue, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Jesus Christ, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, and he has sent me to bind up brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives, which he's going to do when he dies during the three days. He's going to go to spirit prison, set up a great missionary effort to allow the faithful saints of God who have departed from this mortal life to take the gospel to the spirit prison and preach the gospel to them so that they can proclaim liberty to the captives, that he will let them out and inherit at least the celestial kingdom of glory. And the opening of the prison, the spiritual, the spirit prison to those that are bound. Hallelujah. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all that mourn. Jesus then gave the Torah, the Isaiah scroll back to the uh, Jewish attendant. He sat down and he said, this day has this scripture been fulfilled in your ears in me, Jesus Christ. The people got very angry. They took him out. They tried to throw him off the cliff. And somehow he just magically, well, not magically, but through the power of God, just suddenly it says that he just kind of disappeared and walked through their midst. Suddenly just he was there. They were trying to throw him off the cliff. Suddenly he's gone, right? So my, again, prophecy fulfilled literally here. The great mighty serum prophet Isaiah testifying of this event in Jesus Christ's life. Jesus reads this in fulfillment of that prophecy of Isaiah. And we get that great story in Luke chapter 4, 10 through 11. I will greatly rejoice in Yahweh. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And as a bridegroom taketh herself with ornaments, and as a bride adorn herself with her jewels. Again, I ask the question in the, the first half here of chapter 10. Who is the only church in all the world who has these things? The garments of salvation and the robes of righteousness. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, once again, has just continued to be the answer all the way through the scriptures over and over and over again. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Jesus Christ's own church that he proclaimed is his church, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, with which he, the Lord, am, is well pleased. That's what Jesus Christ said. Okay, now let's move on. Chapter 62, verse 1 through 4. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until I rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild Israel, and bring forth righteousness back into that land. Righteousness, therefore, should go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Again, we've seen that all the way through the, since the beginning of Genesis this year, right? Every time God would take a righteous soul and make a new covenant with him, 
as part of the new covenant, he would give him a new name. I ask again the question, who is the only church in all the world who believes in the Bible, who believes that when you make a covenant with God, you shall be given a new name? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's who. That's the only church who does that. Verse 3, thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and the royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Again, I asked the question, <laughs> who is the only church in all the world who believes that you will be given a diadem, a royal diadem to wear on your head? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the only true biblical church upon the earth that actually believes in the Bible from Genesis 1-1 all the way through the end of Revelation. Thou shalt no more be termed be uh, uh, termed forsaken. The land of Israel for uh, you know a, a nearly two thousand years was a forsaken wilderness. Neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hephzibah, which means that my desire is in her, and thy land uh, Baula, uh, which means married wife, right? For the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. I will, I God personally will marry your land and will restore it to its beauty it once had. Six through nine. I have set watchmen. Remember, watchmen refer to prophets, apostles, and other and other holy servants of God that God calls from time to time. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold thy, their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. The command has always been to the prophets of God, don't keep silence, keep preaching day and night. Let your testimony go throughout all the world. Let your preaching go throughout all the world. Preach, preach, preach. Seven, and give him no rest till he establish, until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand. <laughs> Again, I ask the question, who is the only church in all the world who believes that God makes covenants with man by lifting up his right hand? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Lord has sworn by his right hand, and, and those of you who have been to the temple know exactly what we're talking about here, and by the arm of his strength, surely I will no more give thy corn to be meat for thine enemies, and the sons of the strangers shall not drink thy wine, for the which thou hast labored. But they that have gathered it shall eat it and praise the Lord, and they that have brought it together shall drink it in the courts of my holiness. Chapter 63, verse 1 through uh, 4. Once again, we get another prophecy of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Who is this that cometh from Edom? Meaning red, right? Who's this that's coming from the red, right? He's going to be dressed in red with dyed garments, right, dyed red garments from Basra. This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, 
and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat. His garments are red when he comes back. I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me, for I will tread them in mine anger. We've seen that many times in the scriptures. All the way throughout is that way. For I will tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury. This is a violent scene to behold. And their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. And I will stain all my raiment with their blood. For the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come. Now this was, you know, uh, 600 or so years before Christ came in the flesh. That already the day of vengeance is in his heart. He's been waiting for this moment to trample all the wicked and have their blood land all over his garments. He's been he's been dreaming and, and hoping for this for thousands of years. In the New Testament, remember, he, he says that, you know, he's going to do this kind of thing and he's going to bring the fire to the world. And oh, how he wishes the fire were already started, is what Jesus Christ said as the mortal Messiah in the Gospels. Let's look now at uh, section uh, at, uh, Isaiah 64, 1 through 4. And again, please read this, uh, these chapters. There's other great things in here too, but just due to the limited time, we're just looking at some highlights here in each of these chapters these lessons should not just be replacing your study of the scriptures right still read isaiah 58 through 66 this week we're just looking at some parts here uh, so we're going to look at 64 and verse 1 through 4 and again second coming of jesus christ oh that thou wouldst rend the heavens that thou wouldst come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thy adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things, remember in the book of Revelation talks about when he comes back, the wicked are going to be hiding in the caves and in the mountains and everything. So that's what they're talking about here. And trembling at his presence. Uh, three, when thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down, the mountains flow down in thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, man have not, now this verse here, scripture, is what Paul had in mind when he was writing First uh, Corinthians uh, ver, uh, chapter 2, verse 9. Here we go. For since the beginning of the world, man have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, Neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Sounds very close to Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.9. Uh, Isaiah 65. Let's look at 11 through 15. But ye are they that forsake the Lord, that that forget my holy mountain or the temple, that prepare a table for that troop, and that furnish, furnish the drink offering unto that number. He says, therefore I will, I will number you to the sword, and ye shall all bow down to the slaughter, because when I called, ye did not answer. I gave you a chance to escape the 
fury of my vengeance, but you would not answer. When I spake, you refused to hear. But instead, you continued to do evil before my eyes and to choose that wherein I did not delight in that. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, my servants shall eat. You shall starve, wicked ones. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you will be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice and be happy, but you will be ashamed. You will have weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. You will have no peace, for there's no peace to the wicked, as he said last week. Fourteen, behold, my servants shall sing for joy of heart, but you will cry for the sorrow of your heart and shall howl for vexation of your spirits. And you shall leave your name for a curse unto my chosen. My chosen ones will, will view you as a curse. For the Lord God shall slay thee and call his servants by Another name. Once again, they will receive a new name as they enter the covenant with him. Verse 20. There shall be no more fence in infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. No one will die early. The infant's not going to die. And the, the man, even the old man's not going to die before his appointed days. But what will happen? The child shall die a hundred years old. But the sinner being a hundred years old shall be cursed, right? <laughs> the sinner's going to be cursed. They will have no change in the twinkling of an eye. We see from uh, other sections here, uh, uh, Doctrine and Covenants 101, that they'd be changed at a hundred years old. You live to be a hundred in the millennium. And then you change in the twinkling of an eye and you're caught up into heaven, right? Okay, so that does uh, uh, 65. Uh, let's look now at chapter 66. And we'll look at 5 through 8. Hear the word of Yahweh, ye that tremble at his word, your brethren that hated you, that cast ye out for my namesake, and said, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. Wicked will be ashamed, you the righteous ones will rejoice and have joy. A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice of the Lord that rendereth recompense to his enemies. They're going to hear this, this voice of God, and it's going to be a horrible, uh, trembling experience for them. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Now suddenly we're talking again about the first coming. And he uh, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man child. Again, a prophecy that Jesus Christ would be a man child, the Messiah would be a man child, born of a woman. Now, only the Christians are the only ones who believe that, right? That uh, born, uh, uh, delivered of a man child. Who hath heard such a thing? 
Who has seen such wonderful things as that? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall the nation be born at once? And Israel indeed was born in a day, right? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Let's move it to 14 through 16. And when ye see this, your heart shall rejoice. And your bones shall flourish like an herb. And the hand of the Lord shall be known toward his servants and his indignation toward his enemies. Right? So again, they'll see his anger, his indignation. The righteous uh, get to see his mercy and forgiveness and love. For behold, the Lord in his, here we go, guys. Here we go. His powerful verse here, right? For behold. The Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind and to render his anger with fury fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. We've talked about this several times before this year. Jesus is not coming back as Superman flying flying through through the skies, flying through the clouds, you know. Seen the movie Superman, Jesus. It's it's not how he's coming back, guys, okay? It's not how he's coming back. But we continue to see these things here, and here it's very clear, right? So here's the greatest, uh, most academic, most intelligent prophet now describing it. Uh, The lesser educated prophets of the Old Testament, New Testament, kept trying to describe, well, it's like like he's coming in the clouds, like in the clouds, these things flying around up in the, in the space, up in space, right? These things that look like clouds, right? But here he's given the best description so far, right? We saw that Elijah was taken up in a chariot into heaven, right? Into some sort of physical object, some sort of flying object chariot, you know, just like a, like they had the chariots with a horse. They saw Elisha, saw Elijah get in this chariot and fly off, you know, as he became a translated being. He flew off in this object. Uh, you know, and so uh, Jesus, you know, once again, also when, you know, he's on the Mount of Olives uh, at the end of the, uh, you know, the Gospels, beginning of Acts. And, uh, the, and Jesus uh, says goodbye to his apostles. And then he's caught up into this. What again, they based on limited vocabulary describe as this this cloud that then flies away with Jesus. Right. So whatever this physical object thing is that looks like a that that if you don't have the vocabulary for airplanes and and uh, things like that, you know, you just describe as this cloud that Jesus went up this cloud and flew away. Well, here it is, right? Here's Isaiah's description of it, right? That when Jesus is coming back, he's going to come back with what chariots like a whirlwind, with fire, flame of fire, to then start shooting down from these chariots in the sky trampling down, you know, the wicked, right? So probably not really, you know, they we've seen this several times too, including earlier in this lesson, right? When it makes it sound like Jesus is coming on a white horse and he's going to literally, you know, run down people on the horse. Probably not that way, right? But they're shooting fire down from these chariots in the sky, burning and killing all the wicked people. And it's going to be a wonderful thing for the righteous to behold, for the wicked fear and trembling, and sorrow and all kinds of these things. So, for behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind flying around. Right? 
to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with the flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh. Up until then, up until the second coming, he just keeps begging the people, right? He, threw the, he uses the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. He speaks to people's hearts and souls. Hey, you need to change the course of your life. Hey, you need to join my church. You need to join the gospel, you know, and these things, right? And he sends forth his apostles, his prophets, his missionaries throughout all the world to give them a chance to hear the gospel, right? That's how he's been pleading now through, through those instruments. But they don't work, right? We get few baptisms each year compared to the billions in the world, right? So ultimately, he knows what's going to work, but he doesn't want, you know, doesn't want to have to use it. But uh, uh, but he will use this to plead in the second coming, right? He's going to plead with all flesh this time by fire and by the sword. And the slain of the Lord shall be many. Anyone not living a terrestrial kingdom law will be killed off. They will be killed off with these chariots of the whirlwind flying around in the sky, shooting down fire, destroying them. The wicked will die by fire. Many scriptures throughout all our standard works talking about the wicked will be consumed by fire in the last days. Okay, in uh, 18 through 19, for I know their works. You can't hide from God. God knows your heart and he knows your works and their thoughts. See, I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. What a marvelous sight that's going to be. And I will set a sign among them, and I will send those that escape of them unto the nations throughout all the world, right? Now, once again, to preach the gospel, right? Uh, you know, give them another chance now. They just saw what I did to the wicked with these chariots in the heavens flying around, shooting fire down, killing all the wicked. So, now we're going to send out missionaries again for those who have not heard of my gospel. They have not heard of my fame. Neither have they seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. And all the nations now, not just the Jewish people, not just the Israelites, will hear the gospel. 22 to 24. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which God has always promised he would bring forth, which I will make shall remain before me, saith Yahweh. So shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new, new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord, because I, the Lord God, will be reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords personally upon the earth for 1,000 years. The people will be coming to worship directly before me from Sabbath to Sabbath and month to month. And they shall go forth and look upon all the carcasses of the man that have transgressed against me, for their worm shall not die. We don't know exactly what that means. This again, Isaiah using limited vocabulary and didn't have scientific, uh, you know, uh, uh, advanced uh, uh, descriptions then, perhaps our advanced the. Uh, Scientists would describe this a better way now that they've already been burned into the ground, you know, and somehow it's as though the worm uh, doesn't uh, uh, die. There's still some sort of visible thing of their body that looks like there's like they're possessed with worms. 
Uh, neither shall their fire be quenched. It look like they'll have an everlasting fire, everlasting burning. And there shall be an abhorring unto all flesh, for they'll stink, right? And it'd be an abhor, uh, you know, abhorment to all flesh, all mankind. So mighty, <laughs> what another great lesson of this prophet Isaiah, huh? What a mighty prophet, what a mighty seer of God. Well, all the mighty things. Can you imagine all the visions and all the revelations that this mighty prophet Isaiah had? He prophesied more things that uh, to come than any other prophet in the Old Testament. Many of these prophecies have already been fulfilled. Many are currently being fulfilled, and yet many shall yet be fulfilled. You know, in, in terms of Christ coming back for a second coming and, and so forth. So. What a my, my, mighty book of scripture this has been read, reading together, the uh, book of Isaiah these past few weeks. I challenge you to read the whole book of Isaiah. If you need to review these uh, lessons, uh, come back, watch these lessons again and again until you can begin to truly understand that the book of Isaiah open up to you, that you can see all things in the spirit that Isaiah did, the birth of Jesus Christ to the apostasy of the Christian church to the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the latter days, to the calling of the prophet Joseph Smith, to the ordinances of the gospel being restored and the priesthood being restored so that you can be baptized and have it counted in heaven. The second coming of Jesus Christ coming forth, the coming forth of the truth, the Book of Mormon out of the earth. All these things the prophet Isaiah prophesied. So we should make Isaiah a great study a great part of our uh, the scripture study to learn all this great that all the great things we can from this mighty prophet Isaiah. Of him I testify, he indeed was a servant of God. He was a prophet. He saw the things that he then wrote under the inspiration and revelation of God. We'd like to extend an invitation to uh, those of you who are not yet members of God's church and kingdom upon the earth. You've seen the great blessings he has that no eye has seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the great things he has prepared and in store for those who love him and that are obedient unto his commandments. He's inviting you to go forward now and become a member of his church and kingdom, to be baptized by those who hold the priest and authority of God, to have that baptism count in the heavens, to open up the doors of heaven to you, the path going back to the to your heavenly Father's presence, so that you can begin that walk on uh, along that iron rod that leads back to the Father's presence. All you need to do is reach out to the missionaries. I will leave in the description of this video a link. I want you to click on that link, contact the missionaries, let them know you're willing to take upon yourself the name of Jesus Christ, being baptized by those who hold the priest and authority of God, so that God can pour out His great blessings upon you. I promise you no greater joy, no happiness will come into you on the day of your baptism and compared to anything you've ever experienced into your life up until this point. It will be the crowning the joy achievement of your life. You will look back, back upon that day the rest of your life knowing that when it was time to stand up for the Lord, you did so. Remember what Jesus Christ says in the scriptures, right? Those who are ashamed of me, of them I will be ashamed before my Father in heaven. But of those who are not ashamed of him, that go forward to 
to show their willingness to obey and to keep his commandments, I will not be ashamed of them. I will declare to our Heavenly Father, I know this one. He is one of ours. I know this one. He is he or she is one of ours. Father, let them come into our kingdom. You want to have Jesus be on your side? You do what he says. You keep his commandments. Reach out to those missionaries. Let them help you. For those of you fallen into activity in the church, we know it was a, probably a slow drifting away. You know, you started to not do some of the things that just left you you know, going a little bit, little bit drifting, drifting, drifting away into inactivity. Well, we welcome you back with full open arms and the full fellowship with the saints of God. Come back and rejoice and be happy. Help each other share the burdens of, the, of this earth's life and the trials and afflictions that we go through. Be part of the community of God as we all continue on that path, leading back to our Heavenly Father's presence. Of him I testify. He indeed is our Heavenly Father. We are his spiritual children. He wants to bless us with what the eye hath not seen, nor the ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man, the great things he has prepared for them that love him. Of him we testify, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.